DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The spring LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of the contacts and the glasses. Save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Time to welcome in Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Steve, good morning. Good morning. So this will shock you. But PK and I have spent a little time here since the Jazz lost to uh, Minnesota debating and arguing about what the heck went wrong, and we only agree about half of it. So why don't you jump in, because we are really curious which side you're going to come down on. How the heck do you lose to Minnesota? We know there are the 20 turnovers, and Quinn Snyder pointed out, I think it was 20 points off 11 offensive boards, and they scored 40 points in the first quarter and then didn't even get 60 the rest of the way. What went wrong? What happened? How does well, this happen? How does Team 29 beat Team 1? You know what? It, it is a game that uh, involves people. And, and uh, you know, it's interesting. I, you start thinking about how upsets happen at home, especially. And, <clears throat> you know, it starts, well, you know, the first thing you could say, well, we, we can think of a lot of excuses. You know, obviously our leading scorer is not playing. But that being said, this is a team that's, uh, you know, hasn't, I don't know, I think what have they won, 16, 17 games on a year. And uh, so we, we throw that out the window. Uh, but I think sometimes, despite the chemistry of this team, the experience of this team, uh, and nobody wants to admit it, but th- it's hard sometimes to get up for certain teams. Now, you wouldn't think it would be Minnesota after they had already beaten them once. And uh, But mentally and emotionally sometimes uh, players do. But I think most of all, you mentioned it, being careless with the ball. But I think that being careless with the ball is more than just what, what it turned out to be in terms of points. It, what happens, especially teams on the road that haven't won much, uh, their confidence. They get confidence. I mean, all of a sudden, I'm getting to the rim. You know, you know Edwards is getting to the rim, rather than, even though he's a pretty doggone good three-point shooter. But anytime you can get to the rim, score, it increases your confidence. And especially in games where there were Jazz were up big, they lost it. You know, all of a sudden late, this is not a team that you know that normally they would lose that game probably nine times out of ten. But what's happened now? They're playing with confidence, and the confidence has come from Utah's mistakes, carelessness with the ball. You know, not, not you know a variety of things and errors that took place. But the other thing is this: this is the NBA, and Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell. Those guys are all capable of going for 25, 30, or 40. It's not like, you know, I think sometimes we look at the record and go, these guys just must be horrible. Well, they haven't had a really good year, correct. But it does not mean they don't have guys that can fill it up on any given night. And when a team kind of just hands it to them with easy points off turnovers, transition baskets, it just instills the confidence and they start believing they can win. So it's a, you know, it's a collection of different things, but certainly – uh, Any time a, uh, a team that really comes into a game, those kind of teams you put away early, they usually quit, and you just kind of coast through and win it. But, uh, you know, the Jazz decided to be in a giving mood, and once they did that, Minnesota got the confidence back. They have talent. There's no, you know, the, the idea that these guys aren't capable of beating people, you know, they can, especially when they're at a high-confidence level. They're on the road. Crowds aren't that big anyway. It's, it's kind of like playing a neutral site game. I mean, the fans are as loud as they can be, but it's not like there's 20,000 people in there either. 
kind of turn the tide and help that. So those are my thoughts. It happens at every level, high school, college, the NBA, and it usually has to do with mistakes teams make more so than another team just coming in and just playing amazing and, and finding a way to win that way. So coaches tend to worry about everything. The Jazz roll out to a 17-point lead in the first quarter. Did you ever get concerned that, hey, this may come may have come too easy for us, so we got to make sure we crack down? I don't, I don't think there's any question. I mean, you you want to get in. When you're up 17 that early, you're, every timeout is about defending, taking care of the ball, even before the turnovers come. Because mentally and emotionally, you get – you get in a place where you get comfortable. And when you get comfortable, they are pros. I mean, the, the Jazz have obviously demonstrated that they're a great basketball team, but uh, they're not immune to overlooking people either. They're not immune to my view. I mean, especially when you're playing three and four games a week, it's easy to lose your concentration. And once you do that, and then all of a sudden uh, a team that hasn't won 20 games this year starts believing they can beat anybody. And, 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 and they can. They can if you don't do that. So I think as a coach – you really try to protect against that because everybody kind of gets happy. You get up big, everybody's enjoying it. We're still sharing the ball and doing things, but, but all of a sudden we get careless with the ball and uh, thinking that they're, they're not going to come and compete and, and try to make a game out of this thing. So even to the best of the, of the players, even at the highest level in the world, uh, emotionally and mentally, they, you lose that sharp laser focus. You, you can uh, turn things around real quickly, and that's kind of what happens. So when you get to the playoffs, sometimes you have to turn things around real quickly, and the teams that can do it have a big advantage. But how many parallels should we be drawing between a game in April and what's going to happen in May, June, and July? Well, I, I, I wouldn't personally. I mean, yes, this is a, it is a bad loss. That's just what it is, and you move on. I mean, this, this is not the playoffs, and uh, I, I can't see the Jazz in a, in a situation where they're carelessly just – turn the ball over. Sometimes great defensive teams do that. I mean, Anthony Edwards is a great defender for a rookie. I mean, he's, he's a really, really, really good player. And uh, But that being said, this is a veteran team. You've got a team that's together. They've been together a long time, got a great coaching staff. Everybody's on the same page. I can't imagine. I, listen, the Jazz can get beat in the playoffs, but I would be really, really surprised if it's a sloppy game like this. I mean, no, the focus will be – right there intent that they'll be prepared and uh, and they've got to play well don't don't get me wrong they're not just going to show up and and uh and get through the playoffs the playoffs are going to be difficult so I, in fact i was looking at who they could potentially play and you know down i mean we were talking about i don't know what's going to happen in these playing games but you just today like portland memphis san antonio golden state those are all really really well coached teams program you know teams that are Memphis is hot. Golden State's playing well. San Antonio and Portland have kind of been on the downside. But those are all dangerous teams to play if they end up playing one of those four teams. So they, they certainly can't look past them. Anytime you've got guys like Portland has with guards that can shoot it from the perimeter and just create plays, obviously Steph is scary on any given night. And Memphis is really playing well. So it doesn't matter who you play in the playoffs. You better be ready because uh, that's how upsets happen. And, it's, it's again, it's confidence. You, you let an eighth or a ninth or a tenth seed come in there and win an opener, and wow, you see a team now that's going to be playing at a high level. You just can't afford to do that. I mean, seven-game series, I, I don't really, really think the Jazz are going to have a problem in the first round, but 
if anything, this Minnesota game is a great teaching point for the coaching staff. Hey, we can be beat by anybody if we're not ready. So, and so you use it at that, make a positive out of it and just say, listen, we can't do that. It's passed and gone. You're not going to sit around and worry about it much more. But when you get in the playoffs, that kind of slippage, uh, you know, can send you home quickly. And I don't see that happening with Jazz, but uh, hopefully this is a reminder that if we turn it over like that and allow teams to score at the rim, they, they're confident, they have great players, and anything can happen in this game. And, man, every night there's something crazy going on in the NBA. And a lot of it has to do with playing three and four games a week, lots of travel, all back-to-backs. All of those things lend themselves to upsets. So watching that game, I had a little bit of an issue with some shot selection, which is going to happen from time to time with so many shots and possessions and so forth. I'm wondering, you as a coach, how you balance giving players the free reign and confidence to do what they think they can do versus making sure that you have responsibility and you're taking quality shots. Well, the one thing about the Jazz is that their ball movement is second to none in the NBA. I mean, nobody moves the ball. There's not a lot of stationary isolation type things where you take forced contested shots. For the most part, they're taking shots after one, two, three, four, five passes, which lends itself to being consistent, shooting with confidence, and having open shots. Uh, I think the, the thing that you, as a coach, that you want to make sure, and you watch film with them, that when we're taking contested shots early in the shot clock, that needs to be corrected. There, there's no reason for that. I mean, yes, you're going to have to, sometimes people D up, guard you, and you're going to have to make or take contested shots late in the shot clock. That's one of the things that I look at, is I see people taking early contested shots, and, you know, you can't settle. And you find teams that just settle for the jumper or the three early in the shot clock, typically it's going to be a difficult night for them. And, and may, maybe the Golden State Warriors, when they had Durant and, you know, and, uh, all, all that group where you have three great shooters uh, with Steph and all, you know, sometimes you can get away with that. But for the most part, I don't think the Jazz are a team. That's just not who they are. That's not the culture of this team. It's great ball movement, take good shots. And when it does happen, you know, you watch film. You talk about it. And, uh, and anybody can have an off night. But, but at the end of the day, you're not going to have, you know, in a seven-game series in the playoffs – uh, those kinds of things can be corrected in a timeout oftentimes or at halftime, and you try to get that back. But there, there are nights, I mean, I remember just even playing, you know, where I felt great going into a game. And, and I think the one thing early on, I always tried to get to the free throw line or get my guys to the free throw line on penetrations so that you could just relax and see the ball go through the basket, especially for, for guys that were kind of up-and-down shooters. I wanted to get them to the free throw line. I wanted them to get a layup. I wanted to run an ISO for them rather than to have their first two or three shots be three-pointers. Uh, obviously, these are pros. These guys can all shoot it. But there is something about making early baskets in games where that basket gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But the, you know, the, the biggest no-no there is taking contested shots early on. And, and what happens late in a game when you do that and you get caught, and, uh, and then all of a sudden defensively it, the opponent ratchets it up and they're contesting – They've got the confidence, and then all of a sudden they have the advantage. So early on in games, I mean, they got, they got up 17, and I think it was just a matter of just, I don't want to say overlooking, but just got casual with the ball. Got really casual with the ball, just figured this is going to happen. 
And they forgot that there was another team that was going to defend and wants to win just as badly as they do. They haven't proven they can do it for a lot of reasons. But when things click in the NBA, uh, every team's got really good players. And you get them going, all of a sudden, when your opponent is playing on the road, I love that to go on the road as a coach. And all of a sudden, uh, you're making baskets and they're struggling and they get tighter and tighter and uh, there's more pressure. And that's where how upsets happen. And oftentimes it uh, happens at the end of the games. But, uh, you know, most of the time those things sometimes, in, you know, the last four or five minutes, you go on a little run and then they start pressing and that happens. And, and it hasn't happened very often for the Utah Jazz this year. Kind of ironic. Uh, and so, I, I, you know, I can see like, I don't know, did they play? I can't remember. That loss they had to the Wizards, was that at Washington? They lost to the Wizards home? twice, both at home and in yeah. Washington. Yeah, and, I, and, and, and though those teams with those guards they can create and Westbrook can just do he, he can go off and do things regardless of what, who's guarding him but again when you play that way it's just going to be once in a while where you win big games and, and that's the thing you know the Wizards have won what eight or nine in a row so they're they're starting to play better but uh, I think with Minnesota it, it was just a matter a combination of things but obviously being careless with the ball is what really really got them Timberwolves a lot of confidence, and once they got that confidence, then they were able to finish it off in a tight game, which normally they probably wouldn't win that game. So Joe Ingles comes on with us every week, and he said uh, something interesting. PK was asking him about you know his his improvement, and then improving again, and then improving again, and he's kind of surprising people. And Joe said, "Well, it's not that hard to improve now because everybody's got a personal coach. And he said he never had that in his career until he got to the NBA and got to the Jazz. And that anytime he wants to watch film, anytime he wants to get shots up or work on, you know, how he runs a pick and roll or whatever, he's got a coach who will come work with him. And I was thinking of your career, you didn't really have that. The money's really exploded even since you've retired, which wasn't that long ago. And can you imagine what it'd be like if you had, say, 12 to 15 scholarship players and 12 to 15 assistant coaches? How different would things have been for you? <laughs> I, think, I think what's happening, and you see a trending in college basketball, especially at, at kind of the highest level where there is more money and there's – but it, it, managers – Managers play a huge role in the game today collegiately, more so than they did in the past. And not just to, to be uh, you know, in five-on-o situations where they're simulating another team's offense or doing those kinds of things, but as I've gone into college uh, you know, workouts and watched practices and things over the last few years, you, you see that where there is a lot of individual work. And, and, and that right now, for young players in high school, especially even, even, I mean, my grandchildren, uh, you know, they, they go to places where they can get individual workouts and, and they, and they have those places here in California. And it's, it's amazing the individual instruction and actually the money being made by, you know, just having personal training for eight, nine, 10 year old kids. And, uh, it, that did, that didn't exist, uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Now you'd be hard, you'd be surprised. You probably know, I mean, in, in the state of Utah alone, I know that I have a son that just recently moved back, and his son goes to two or three facilities where they get personal training. And so when you do that at the highest level, when we, when we start doing that at eight, nine-year-olds, it, it, you know that it becomes important to players. And, uh, and you don't have enough coaches to do that. And so I, I, I will say this, though. 
when I had players that were struggling, whether it was shooting or mentally, just just, just struggling altogether, I found times, even as a head coach, to just have them come early in the day, late at night, whatever, watch film, work them out, and uh, and, and I had assistants do that at times too. And, and typically they would, but I thought when they and that's not going to happen in the NBA, you know, they're, they're not going to go out there and individually work because that is all set up in the system. But I know for me, when we didn't have those resources and my best player was struggling, I wanted to watch film with him. I wanted to work him out. I wanted to go have lunch with him. Let's, let's work through this and get through this. And, and those are things I did. But, man, today this is a different world. I mean, from the very, very young age, all of the ball handling things that – I mean, I, I couldn't work a kid out today because I can't do any of those things with the ball that uh, younger trainers and younger players do. And my grandkids – I mean, they're, they're showing me different things that the NBA guys are doing. They're, simply, they're watching it on TV. And, uh, and so that's just kind of where the world is today. It's all about personal trainers. It's all about the handles. It's all about the three-point shot. And young people, young men and young women, are being exposed to this much earlier in their life. So when they get to high school, there's an expectation for that. And when they get to, to college, the same thing. There's an expectation to that. And certainly in the NBA where they have all the resources, you're going to get outstanding people working with guys. So it does. You're going to get better. You're going to get better. And uh, and, and the other thing is that these trainers, they're, they're very skilled in terms of the psyche and, and the emotions and the motivational things that they do. I've watched them. I've watched it with the college kids here in town and high school kids, and I've seen it with my own grandkids. So uh, it's, it's a good thing for, for people, young men and young women who are picking the game up there's a lot of resources. Um, you know, all of it's like way too expensive, but parents are spending a lot of money on young kids these days, hoping that, that they're going to be, you know, the next Steph Curry. Uh, but that's, that's the climate and culture of the world of basketball right now in, in our country for sure. So how much can a shooter who's pretty much not very good improve his touch or her touch through repetition? Uh, listen, I, it's kind of, you know, I, I would, here's, here's the deal. We'll take my golf game. <laughs> you know, I, uh, when I, when, before I had back issues and other things, I had pretty good flexibility. And, and so we'll take my golf game as an example. And, and, and I've kind of had to reconstruct my swing and I didn't think it was possible, you know? And so I finally found a guy here in town and we started working on my turn and the tempo and just, Breaking it down for a guy that's 69 years old, and I'm thinking to myself, I'll never be able to hit a 250- or 260-yard drive again. And it was just incredible with video. All of a sudden, he's showing me my swing. He's showing me, I don't want you to go to the range where you don't have someone taking a photo, a video of you, watching you. And it's amazing. My, my handicap really hasn't changed, but all of a sudden, I'm starting to hit drives longer than I have in the last five or ten years because I'm doing things technically. And so I figure if a 69-year-old a guy can, and can change and get better doing those kind of things because of repetitions, uh, I, I think young players as well as older players, once you see yourself and you start working on the, the, the technique and create that muscle memory, you can do it. It doesn't happen in a week or a month, but you can become a good shooter. And I didn't believe that because sometimes you get guys, and you, go, you know, we're never going to be able to fix this thing. But over time, I, I do believe that anyone can learn to be a good shooter, but they've got to put the time in. And, uh, and I'm not suggesting that they're NBA type, 
but for high school and junior high school kids and college kids, well, we watched a lot of people that early on struggled. I, I remember Travis Hansen early on. He was so athletic that he had so much spring that it, it flattened his shot, and he figured out how, how to extend and finish that thing up in the air where oftentimes you're shooting it on the way up rather than on the way down where it had a flat trajectory. And by the time you know, he finished playing, he was so comfortable. So, <clears throat> yeah, I do believe it can be done, but you've got to put a lot of time in. <clears throat> and certainly those that are giving the instruction need to understand the mechanics of the shot. And, uh, but for pros like, you know, like with, with Joe Ingles, he's got such a pretty stroke. And, uh, but occasionally, you know, I watched Steph Curry play the other night. He couldn't make a basket after he'd been knocking shots down and knocking down shots. You have those nights sometimes. And a lot of it has to do with maybe fatigue. Uh, it just, just the grind of playing games all the time that you're going to not always be on, but, but you can become a good shooter. I'm, I'm not necessarily saying great, but you can become a good shooter today with, uh, with good coaching, good techniques, videos, all of those kinds of things that are being provided. So I, that was not the case 15, 20 years ago. Usually if you couldn't shoot it, people weren't paying much attention to you. We're recruiting guys that can shoot. I don't have time to help. That's not the philosophy at any level anymore. Everybody believes that they can. Though I will say this, probably more time is spent on the handles than it should be. I mean, that's what everybody wants to do, and sometimes they ignore the shooting piece. But for the kids that are really serious and the players that are serious, they want to be able to do both because that opens doors for them to play at the next level. Steph Curry, no matter what he does, even if he goes behind the back on consecutive dribbles, is never off balance. It is (laughs) phenomenal. That he is never he, off balance. He, he is phenomenal, and uh, just what a joy to watch. And yeah. we're, we're watching him with something that may never happen again. I don't know. Who knows? There probably will be something like him again. But I mean, what young person doesn't want to be Steph Curry? You know, right. I go and I'm I'm around a lot of eight, nine, ten, and eleven year olds because my grandkids saw it as I go and watch games. And then you watch him in a pregame. They they are simulating everything that's being done by Steph. I mean, they're, 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 they're at least they're trying. And uh, so he's impacting basketball globally uh, in ways that nobody ever ever has in a long time. Steve, we appreciate the time. Thanks for hopping on. We'll talk to you again next you week. Bet, guys. All right. Have a great week. Bye-bye. All right. When we come back, everything you missed in this show in one segment. We'll get you up to speed next.